Are you ready for a travel adventure? How about an exciting trip to Venice or an exhilarating experience in Bangkok? Maybe you were more about a culinary adventure in Barcelona or just a relaxing day cruising the canals of Amsterdam. Join the Professor Travel as he invites you on an epic excursion, one that has you traveling the globe with him. Come and experience a world of culture, a world of history and architecture, a world of food and experiences to broaden your mind and save you time and money as you travel. Learn more, discuss more, travel more, and enjoy life more. And now your host, The Professor Travel. Greetings, students, and welcome to a very special episode of The Professor Travel. I am your host, The Professor Travel. This is the website, the vlog, and the podcast that you go to in order to learn more about different destinations. This is where we go to discuss as a community different destinations. I hope this spurs you to want to travel more and, of course, enjoy life more. Now, you can reach me at a variety of different means, um, starting, of course, with my website at theprofessortravel.com. You can also reach me either through YouTube or Facebook at The Professor Travel. Um, you can find me now on TikTok at The Professor Travel. Um, if you're looking for me on uh, Instagram, you can find me at The Professor or The underscore Professor underscore Travel. On Twitter, you can find me at TheProfessorTR1, or if you're a blogger, you can find me on Blogspot at theprofessortravel.blogspot.com. Today, I am extremely honored and very humbled to have one of my favorite people in the world with me. I would like to introduce you to our visiting professor today, Jennifer Sisna. Say hi to everybody, Jennifer. Hey, Scott. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this for us. I know that there is just a wonderful amount of information that you have about our, our focus today, which is South Africa and the wonderful work that you do down there. But before we get started on that, can you please tell me about this wonderful picture of you? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it wasn't so perfect as seconds before this. This was uh, just happened to be the right timing. Um, I was in caring for these orphans, uh, and they are orphans, so it, in a sense, it's kind of a sad thing because they've lost their mother. Um, but I was in there taking care of them, and I happened to pull out my, my phone and turned it on selfie mode, and they, instead of pulling my hair and doing everything they were doing, all of a sudden, they were looking perfectly at the camera, and I <laughs> took a picture. So it was all by accident, but it looks <laughs> it's a great picture. I love it. And and you look fantastic in it with them. So they're your little babies. It's adorable. <laughs> yes, they are. And they um, came in very traumatized. And so the fact that they're uh, getting to be more secure, I guess, and uh, it's really good feeling. Excellent. And let's, uh, we're going to talk about all the wonderful work that you are doing down in South Africa with a couple of different organizations. But before we get into that, can you talk mm -hmm. to us a little bit about your educational credentials and a little bit about your background in travel, places that you may be gone to before? Sure. I have my Master of Arts in Organizational Management. And as far as travel goes, um, I, in, I've had been lucky enough to do a lot of traveling. So instead of naming all the different places, I thought I'd maybe name a few of my favorite places. Please. So um, Galapagos, the Galapagos Islands were wonderful. Uh, Costa Rica, uh, Tanzania, South Africa. And then next month, I'm going to go to Uganda. Wow. So Scott, I have to ask you, do you see any kind of theme 
<laughs> in the places that I mentioned. Well, I see a lot of outdoors. I see a lot of wildlife. I see a lot of jungle activity. It sounds like there's a lot going on that you enjoy in that area. Well, it's funny. My husband and I both um, enjoy animals. And so we decided there's so many places to go. How do you even start to narrow things down? And we chose, hey, let's start going to places that we can see more wildlife. And so that's really why those are my favorite. That's actually getting into the topic today of why you decided to go to South Africa. Um, talk to me a little bit about why why you decided specifically to go to South Africa. And we'll just use, I know you've been there several times, but let's just use the most recent trip that you've been on. Oh, most recent trip. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I have, let me give you a backstory really quick. Um, we went on a girl's trip, trip back in 2013, and it was a nice kind of luxury trip. It was a girl's trip. We had a guide who took us around. We did lots of safaris. It was absolutely wonderful. But what I noticed is most people want to go and look at the big five, you know, the lions and the leopards and the elephants and rhinos and so forth. I was the one who was like, oh no, let's wait and stay and watch the baboons or the vervet monkeys. And so I found myself just really attracted to the primates. So I decided when I got back from this trip, I wanted to do some more investigation. And I did some research and found where I could be uh, more help and make a difference with the primates. And so that happened to be primarily in South Africa. So that's why South Africa. And you mentioned to me earlier, before we started recording this podcast, that you've been there about 10 times. Is that correct? I think it has been 10 times since 2014. Oh, wow. Yeah, I go. I usually go about twice a year. I've been three times a year. So yes, I. it's kind of a habit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a good one to have if you're doing a lot of great work down there. And I'm going to be visiting South Africa, hopefully at the end of this year. So to my okay. school. Pay close attention. You might learn some more additional information on on this process. So uh, (laughs) now, how long in advance did you start planning for your most recent trip? Oh, the most recent trip probably isn't a great example because uh, (laughs) probably a couple months at the most, because now I've got this down. Mm -hmm. So the first time I would say four months. Uh, because you have to do some things in preparation to go. But after you've done that, you don't really have to do that anymore. Okay. And speaking about preparation, what is it? I mean, like, I imagine you probably have to have a visa and certain travel medications in order to go down to South Africa. Is that correct? Well, what's interesting about South Africa, if you're from the United States, you have an automatic 90-day visa. Okay. So if you want to stay longer, um, then you would have to apply for something a long term. But it keeps me coming back home. So I stay with the three month uh, visa. (laughs) Do you want to know about the other things? Oh, yeah. I was going to ask about like, um, because I would imagine if you're going to places where there's a lot of jungle activity or the like, um, certain concerns like malaria or other things that might happen, you might want to be aware of. Did, did you have to worry about anything like that? Or did you have to see a travel doctor ahead of time? Well, I wrote down a few things so I wouldn't forget them. Um, but I, uh, the vaccinations, the big one in South Africa. So if you go outside of South Africa or if you go to 
another country that has yellow fever and then you come into South Africa, you would need to show the uh, yellow fever uh, vaccination, the certificate. Okay. Uh, so I have that, but I always just go straight into, I don't stop in other country, countries in Africa before I do that. Except for Uganda, I will have to do that. I'll have to have show them my yellow fever. But if you're just going to South Africa, don't worry about that. You don't need yellow fever, but you are going to want to get your typhoid. Okay. Now, typhoid is uh, one that I will go to Passport Health. Have you ever heard of Passport Health, Scott? I'm not. It, Can you tell us about that? Yeah. It's the number one, I think the largest um, travel vaccination clinics around the country, okay. around the States. So if you have to get yellow fever or you have to get um, typhoid and so forth, you're going to want to go to this uh, Passport Health. It's really easy. They're all over the country. You can sign up online and then go in for your vaccinations. Excellent. Now, yeah. Now, that being said, there are other vaccinations you need, which you could get at, at Passport Health, but typically your insurance will cover it if you go um, to your doctors or even to Rite Aid or uh, CVS, they now have a lot of those vaccinations. Okay, that's so, perfect. Yeah, so the things that I would recommend if you were going to South Africa, if you don't have it already, would be um, the MMR, so the measles, mumps, rubella, the uh, Tdap, uh, which is the tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis, um, Hep A and B, I would just recommend doing that, but you don't need to have the whole series done, mm -hmm. uh, but you might want to get started on that. So those are just some of the things. Um, the shots usually last for quite some time, like a couple of years anyways, right? Yeah. Um, some of them a lifetime. Oh, okay. Don't worry about it. Uh, typhoid, it's either three years or five. So this is kind of interesting. You can go in if you get the injection, then it'll last three years. If you decide to take home pills, then it can last five years, but you have to be so on top of taking them exactly when you need it. Mm. So I trusted myself, but I didn't trust my son. And so <laughs> he got the infection. <laughs> I, I know I recently got a tetanus and I think that I said that's good for like 10 years or something. Ten years. Like that. Mm -hmm. So Ten it's years. Not it's not too bad. Uh, one other area I wanted to touch base with you on in preparation before we go on the trip. Um, did you have to do anything uh, in order to prepare for the dietary requirements going to a place like this? And the reason I asked this is because um, at the end of this year on this trip I'm taking, I'm going to be going to India. And I know in order to prepare for something like that, they said you want to at least kind of maybe for a couple of weeks kind of start to transition and eat certain foods and get away from certain foods to make it an easier transition. Did you have to do anything like that? <sighs> well, um, no, I never have. Now that being said, um, what I've learned is you really, especially me working with the primate, you really want to wash your, you know, I'm cleaning enclosures and so forth. So I'm always, you need to wash your hands a lot but I would make that a regular practice um, in just washing your hands. But I do now and again get a problem with my stomach. And so I do, without a doubt, take the anti-diarrhea medications with me in case I need them. Perfect. And that's going to get into some of our pre-packing information as well as we start to talk about that. Um, 
so you're going to be going to to South Africa on this specific trip for about how long? Oh, the one coming up is going uh, to be uh, no the oh, one that, this one that we're talking about right now. Sorry. Oh, this okay. Um, well, can I just say it depends? I will stay anywhere from six weeks to three months. Okay. Uh, depending on the age of the babies. So for me, that's how I do it. Um, but I recommend that if someone's going to South Africa, oh gosh, uh, you probably want to spend at least a couple weeks. And the reason I say that is and not that you need to, I've had people do um, shorter, but you want, you come over and you're not adjusted to the time. So the first couple of days, you're just trying to get adjusted to the time. By that time, it's, uh, you know, it, it's hard to do all the fun things you want to do. So two weeks would be a good time um, to stay, uh, even though I would stay a minimum usually of six weeks. Excellent. And what are some of the things that you would bring when you're prepacking for something like this? I mean, like, especially this last trip, did you anticipate like a hotter weather climate or did you need to bring mosquito repellent, anything like that? Yes. Um, both. Uh, so yes. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to figure out. It, it depends on the time of year. I'm trying to think. Which you <laughs> well, um, let me, let me actually bring a couple uh, of Oh, that's okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Sorry about that. I, I'm losing track of my trips, but the last trip I went home in say the September, October time frame. And remember they're opposite of what we are. So they're in the Southern hemisphere. So if it's summer in the States, it is winter in South Africa. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. But their summer, which is our winter, is also their rainy season. Mm. So our rains are opposite as well. Okay. So you'll get the hot, humid and so forth in, uh, in the spring. It is nice, and in the fall, it's typically very nice. Um, so uh, nice can get very cold if you're in July. Yeah, I can imagine that. Uh, did you have to bring your own toiletries, or was there a place for you to be able to purchase things like that? Uh, South Africa is very westernized. Okay. So unlike uh, Tanzania, which, boy, you really want to make sure you bring your stuff, South Africa, you walked in. if you walk into a grocery store, you'd be surprised how – similar it is to ours so a lot of things you can get while you're there excellent and um like maybe some sun protection like a hat sun sunscreen stuff like that yes you want to bring sunscreen you want to bring um the uh oh i also forgot to bring up malarone so the uh, malarone is the anti-malaria mm. medication so be sure to call your doctor, tell them you're going to be gone for so many days. You'll take it in advance while you're there in a couple of days when you return. Okay. Okay. Um, so also if you are volunteering, which I recommend to everyone, if you have an opportunity to do that, if you're volunteering, you want to bring dirty, yucky clothes. Uh, nothing. You can get away with being um, maybe some nice jeans and a dress-up shirt if you want to go out, but it's pretty laid back, pretty casual for the most part. Nothing will require anything fancy. But uh, binoculars, because I'm assuming you would want to go on a safari. 
So binoculars would be important to bring uh, a flashlight or what they call a torch. Mm -hmm. You would want to um, take. And then you'd also want to bring RANDs, which is their currency. Uh, So R-A-N-D-S. And things in South Africa are relatively inexpensive. And so the conversion is 14 to 1, I think, right now. Okay. so um, if you could pick some of those brands up, uh, you know, to tip some people when you're there, that would be helpful. Uh, you can exchange it there as well. Excellent. Now, um, and, and uh, did you need mosquito netting or anything like that apart from some mosquito spray? You know what? It depends on which part of Africa you go to. So we'll end up talking about the different locations that I do for the rehab. Uh, one is near Kruger National Park. And... Uh, the the uh, CARE, which is the name of the rescue place that I go there, they will have and supply the mosquito nets. Okay. And the different places will re- supply them. Um, if I if you're at the other place, they don't have an issue with malaria uh, or many mosquitoes. So it just depends, Scott, where, where you are. Perfect. So let's talk about the location that you left from and the time it took us to be able to get to South Africa. No. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we talked a little bit about that before we got on. Mm-hmm. Um, South Africa, obviously, from I flew from LAX. There is no direct flight to Johannesburg, uh, or as the locals say, Joburg. Um, So I typically will go through and find out who has the cheapest air, and then I will go directly to their site. Um, so I find Virgin Atlantic is usually one of the less expensive ones. Um, and if you do Virgin Atlantic, you could fly from LAX to London, which is approximately 10 hours. And then London to Joburg is another 10 hours. So uh, with only about a three and a half hour layover uh, in the middle. Can I call out something really quick? Yes. You had made a suggestion that I really am finding much more appealing before we even got on this uh, vlog and podcast, which was in thinking about your total time, like let's say you're going to be traveling for 20 hours around the world. You can, you can do it the way I've done it in the past, which is like 19 hours one way and then like a three hour layover and then another five hours. To, like that was my trip to Thailand or yeah. like you're suggesting you know, take a moderate flight that's maybe 10 hours to London, take a break there or, or stay overnight if you want. And then the next day or after your break, head on over to South Africa at that point, which is another 10 hours. It kind of breaks it up. And that, that actually sounds very appealing to me all of a sudden. Right. Yes, we've done that. We've done it um, on the way, but we've also done it on the way home. So whatever, you know, interesting. Usually you get so excited about getting to your destination that sometimes on the way back, because I don't know about you, Scott, but my trips on the way home seem to last longer. Yes. Than yes. on the way there, right? Because all you're so excited <laughs> about getting there. But on the way home, it's a good way to uh, break it up as well. So, yes, absolutely. London's a delightful place to have a layover. Uh, my last trip was Dubai, and I didn't um, stay over um, and, and do anything in Dubai, which I probably, if I did that route again, I would do next time. I hear a lot of lovely things about Dubai and the airport's supposed to be really spectacular over there as well. Oh, 
super clean, very, very clean. Absolutely. Um, now, I assume because you're traveling for such a longer period of time um, that you're probably not going to park your car at LAX for that long. <laughs> <laughs> correct, correct. Well, um, we're lucky enough if my husband does not go on a particular trip, sometimes he'll go for three weeks and then come home and mm -hmm. take care of our animals. Um, but if he doesn't go, he'll take me. And if not, we bribe my kids. So <laughs> somehow, <laughs> somehow we're able to get there and um, and someone picks us up. So we've been pretty lucky. But yes, it's too long to leave your car there, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. So we've already talked a little bit about the flights. You flew through Virgin Atlantic, it sounds like, at least for the ones that you typically go. Do you remember what airline you went to Dubai and then over uh -huh. to Johannesburg? Went to Emirates. Emirates, okay. Yeah, I've Emirates. A lot of good things about them too. Yeah, what's interesting is this was one of the years that I did not, um, I, I was, <laughs> it was a long in between. So usually by the time I get home, it's time to plan for my next trip because I'm going again. This time, because I brought a dog back from Africa the last time, I know, long story. <laughs> Brought Ozzy home. He needed a home. And so I have an Africanist dog in our house. Um, and so I had a harder time leaving him right away. So um, I got a little, I don't know what it was. I got a little uh, panicky and I decided to buy my tickets early. And Emirates at the time was on the cheap side. They're never, rarely are they on the cheap side. Mm -hmm. So, and then I realized, what did I do? I always book only like six weeks to a month out on flights. And so I paid too much money because I should have just waited, but uh, I kind of blew it. But um, anyway, uh, so I did fly Emirates. Uh, they're uh, nice airlines, but uh, to tell you the truth, there's a little bit more hype than uh, what I actually experienced being in coach um, if you go business class that's a different ballgame <laughs> um hey as often as I, there's no way i can afford to go first class so can we take a segment to talk about something else that i don't I, i've never talked about on this podcast or vlog before that i think would be helpful for for my students who might actually think about adopting um a, a new companion from another location um, well, first off, I'm going to get a joke out of the way, which is, I guess, then your dog barks in Africanus. So, uh, hey, pretty much. <laughs> he doesn't understand English. I'm come, come. And he doesn't. <laughs> He's like, what? I don't understand. <laughs> um, but apart from that, um, what is the quarantine process that's involved with a uh, animal that might be coming across from uh, overseas? I was shocked. So coming into the United States, from South Africa, if your dog has rabies, they've been visited by a vet uh, for something that's a visual, I can't remember the name of the parasite, but it's a visual review of the dog, and they get signed off, there is no quarantine when they get to the U.S. Zero. Really? Honest to goodness. Wow. I, yeah, I met Ozzy, and, um, because it's a long, I hired a company to mm. help me. I had no idea what to do. They helped me. They got him in a crate, uh, which I took to the farm where I got him. And we practiced being in that crate for a while. 
-hmm. Then um, we, they took him and I wanted to do a direct flight. I didn't want him to be sitting on the tarmac with the noise. We did a direct flight to Washington, D.C. I changed my flight so I could leave him in Washington, D.C. Uh, just for his sake. And uh, we didn't fly back. We drove back from um, Washington to California. And so it was a nice road trip with my dog. Well, lovely. And that was a good story. So thank you for enlightening us about that. <laughs> Okay, so we know you didn't stay in Dubai. You went uh, directly to Johannesburg. Um, this is going to be the part of the vlog and podcast where you kind of take over a little bit. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about the itinerary and walk us through your day-to-day -day routines as you were there. Okay, I will try to do just a compilation of my trips on kind of average on what I do. Um, I've been lucky because I've been able to explore the whole country for the most part, doing um, rescues, baboon rescues. And um, I don't know if I really touched on this, but um, there are two different rescue groups that I work with. One is CARE. CARE is in Palabora. And Palabora is a quick hour flight on a prop plane, the cutest darn little airport you've ever seen, typical Africa. It's near Kruger National Park. And so um, from there, it's about 45 minutes to get to the rescue center, which is in the middle of the bush. It is absolutely amazing. So you could be driving down the road and get into a traffic jam because there's elephants right in front of you. That's the <laughs> It is amazing. And so, uh, when I work there, we're in the middle of the bush. You have the giraffe. You, have, you know, you think of it. It's it's around. Um, care is more established. They have this volunteer thing down. Um, they're great, awesome group of people. Um, and what they do that is so special is they take an orphan baby. So someone, usually what happens and how they're orphaned is they are known to be nuisances or pests. They will get into farmers' crops and they will be shot because they're taking their crops. Well, what happens, the female is shot, the mom, but then the baby's clinging to her. And then they don't have the heart to kill the baby. Sometimes. Sometimes they do. But if we're lucky enough, we get called. We don't ask a lot of questions. We take that orphan. Now, that orphan learns from its mother, it, it gets um, its confidence, it learns how to bond with others. Um, you know, it learns so much from the mom that he now does not have. So a surrogate like myself or someone else will step in and um, care for that baby until it's time to transition him to a baboon mom. Now, that is a, quite a special process because remember these moms were orphaned themselves at one point and now they're older and able to take on a baby and then transition them to the troop because to be released, they have to release them with a whole troop. It can't just be one at a time or a couple at a time because they survive because of that troop. Yeah. And so CARE does it very early. As soon as possible, they will integrate it with a baboon mom. 
So they're very young, typically. And um, the other place um, is Prime Crew, other side of the country, and they are located in a farming community. So you are actually working um, on a farm, a working farm, and taking care of the baboons. They are not as established, and so uh, they will have these babies and need human care longer than they do at care. Does that make sense? So eventually, they'll be able to take on that process with the adult um, females, but at this point, they don't. So that picture that you saw are some older babies that um, still need care, and their troops are formed by the orphan, the babies themselves, and they'll form a troop. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So to answer your question really quick, Scott, and so uh, what I'll do is I usually go to volunteer. Either one of these places are okay if you want to then take um, and go. So, for example, if I'm staying at Prime Crew, I'll take some time, come over, visit CARE, um, stay right next door at a place called Mafugu, which many people don't know about uh, because it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And we are located right on the Oliphant's River. Hmm. I showed up where a hippo was in my way, and I had to wait into the car until the hippo went away. And I called the guy to have some help because I wasn't going to get out of that car if I didn't know where the hippo was. Hmm. They can be very aggressive. He, yes. He comes down, and he's shiny. He says, well, follow me. And he takes me to my, my uh, hut. And as we're looking down on the riverbank, which was right below us, he said, oh, a leopard. And there went a leopard right down the riverbank from us. So pretty amazing place. Um, Cape Town has been voted by many publications to be the most beautiful place in the world. And so Cape Town is a must if you can. Um, but Kruger National Park, I usually stay overnight in Kruger and um, then come back, and then I'll go back to the baboons. But if you do volunteer, just know they are so okay if you want to take day trips or a week trip even. Whatever you want to do, um, you know, they're very accommodating. Can I ask you a quick question? Absolutely. When you're doing a volunteer work like something like this, are you responsible for your own accommodations, or will the charitable organization help with that? Yes. No, they, where they get a lot of their money is from volunteers who will pay for the lodging and pay for the, it comes with food as well, okay. but it's relatively inexpensive. You're not going to find a better deal, right? So um, yes, you have to work as well, but it's a great place to get some accommodation, uh, get some food and um, be able to do some day trips from there. Nice. Okay, cool. So again, walk us through uh, the the day by day on this. Um, how many days were okay. you at care versus uh, uh, primate care? Yeah, it depends on Perfect. where, what place you're going to be the primary. Um, so I'll spend months at a time at a location. Um, but the average person who comes in to volunteer may spend a couple weeks, say at Prime Crew, go to Kruger for a couple days maybe go to Elephant Adventures for a couple days. Um, and so it depends on just how much time you have, because you can really do most things in 
uh, week, two weeks, um, and still get the experience of volunteering. Um, so, so in so in your particular situation, it's not like an itinerary that's yeah. pre-planned because you have to kind of, if you're doing surrogacy work, you kind of have to bond to the baboon in your particular case. And that may take a couple weeks. It may take a month in some cases. It may take longer. Yes. You know what? And so here's an example from my last trip. I was a surrogate for little Georgie, uh, who was uh, a baboon. Um, this is an unusual story that you don't hear a lot, but it's probably important for your viewers to know this. So a lot of them I had mentioned being shot, uh, baboons being shot. Some of them are hit by cars. In this particular case, uh, Nature Con Conservation went into a township and they found Georgie tied up at the waist. And he's just a little guy. And uh, he was being held by a medicine man for Muti. Muti is an alternative medicine from medicine men. And um, so at his age, they will take the feces for medicinal purposes. Um, ultimately, and we think his mom paid the ultimate price, and that was they'll use uh, a digit of the hand or the actual hand of a baboon is considered strength. So they'll put that into their medicine. So ultimately, the baboon will be killed. Um, so they rescued Georgie out of this. So I had to be with Georgie um, in day, night, 24 hours. You know, you're with them all the time. Um, however, because I had to have a transition to get back home at Prime Crew, what we did is uh, we started transitioning him to another uh, person. And so I took trips to the shore, you know, to the water and uh, did some fun things while we did that slow um, integration, you know, back, yeah, to someone else. That makes sense? It does. Thank you. So, um, yes, it's, it, there isn't one set itinerary. When I go volunteer, you have a lot of things come up that you can go do. Uh, we have done rescues down in Kimberly, which is where the big hole, I don't know if you've ever heard of the big hole. Mm -hmm. It is the largest man-made hole that um, for diamonds. It was for diamond mining. Mm. And so we went there to um, see it's, you know, not working right now, <laughs> but uh, we were able to go see it. It's amazing. Um, so a lot of opportunities by volunteering. I appreciate you letting my students know about that because I know that many of them are interested in figuring out what they can do in order to try and help out. And we do actually have a couple of links that we'll go over in just a couple of minutes. Um, really quickly though, you were making mention that you did, as part of your transition time, you do have an opportunity to go to some um, some additional spots, uh, not just within the locations that you're at, but you know maybe hit the shoreline. Did you have any pre-planned excursions as part of this transition? Yeah, I would say sometimes they're pre-planned. Mm -hmm. So um, I had a friend that after I was done with my um, responsibilities as a surrogate, we said, hey, let's hit the road. And so we, this is from CARE. We went over to Prime Cruise, spent some time there, uh, went to another 
um, place called Bombalela, which does uh, vervet rescue, but they have chalets there. So that's one way that they bring in income to help support the vervets. Nice. So isn't that nice? I like that. So we stayed at one of their chalets. Hmm. And then we went down, we flew, because it's quite a drive from Joburg to Cape Town. Uh, we flew, it's a two-hour flight, and we flew down there, spent some time in Cape Town, flew back, did a couple other fun things, and then that was, uh, then it was time for, to come home. Yeah, and speaking of which, let's talk about that ride home, because like you were saying earlier, <laughs> wow, that, it does seem like a much longer, and I, I don't know whether it's jet lag or if it's just trying to reacclimate back to that time, time frame, <clears throat> but usually longer flights like that, depending on whether you're going eastbound or westbound, can seem like they're a lot shorter or a lot longer, I guess. Yes, I don't know. For me, it uh, seems to be a lot longer. Like you said, I think part of it is the jet lag, but all of, uh, also it's like, oh, I'm getting back to the real world, right? Now I have to go back to work or back to, you know, doing your day-to-day -day kind of things. And this was kind of a a release to just be able to whew, forget about everything for a while. Which so is I think Yeah, no, I believe me, I totally understand that. And I always find that I am looking forward to my next excursion, my next vacation, as soon as I get back. It's okay. kind of like, I, I, I'm just looking, oh, what can I do now? What's my next destination? Where can I go next? So yeah, absolutely. So true. So true. Absolutely. So let's talk about some post-vacation information. And, and I do use the term vacation, but it's still a service, it, it, you're, you're doing a service in this particular case. Either way, you're getting away from your average eight to, eight to five, nine to five gig in order to try and take on some new insight. So talk to us about maybe some pros of wanting to go on an excursion like this, on a trip like this. Okay. Well, if you want to volunteer, it's really nice because you feel like you're giving back. Uh, you also get to learn more about um, animals. And so, of course, that's a big pro for me and for anybody who, you know, loves animals. So I would highly recommend it for that reason. Mm -hmm. um, but also, I mean, it's um, relatively inexpensive. So what do they say, Scott? You probably know this better than I do, but Africa and Indonesia are relatively, in, or Asia, I don't yeah. remember exactly, but relatively inexpensive, right? Yeah. So, oh, it is such so nice to be able to uh, really once you get there have the uh, dinners the excursions are so inexpensive going into um, Kruger $25 to get into the their largest national park so you know it's relatively inexpensive um, yeah. and I talked about the volunteering and those animals, but boy, the amazing animals. Oh my gosh. Why do you, you know, go to Africa? It's primarily, I think people want to do the safaris and there are, you know, there are more rhinos in Kruger national park than there are anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so I did not see any rhinos in Tanzania, but I did see them in Kruger. Now that being said, there's also more, more poaching in than any place else in the world. So, And um, that does kind of lead us into things to be aware of. I'm, I'm really, really glad that you had brought up the, um, you know, some, some, some of the things that happen there. Um, 
you know, not, not to bring us on a downward, on a downward note here, but there are some things that we want to be very aware of. Um, yes. Oh, and yes, we do. Um, I think like most towns uh, or large cities, there is a crime element. Yeah. And I think that's probably a little higher than what we're used to um, in Joburg. And so if you're going to stay in Joburg, just know where you're going. If you have um, someone picking you up or, um, you know, transportation, just be smart about that. If you rent a car, um, you know, just be sure you know where you're going before you get in the car and you don't wind up in a bad neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, so I think those are some important things uh, to be aware of. Also, tourist traps. Mm. Um, there's a lot of tourist traps and a lot that exploit animals, which is a real problem in South Africa. So all the lion uh, petting the cubs and it's not what it seems. They like you to think that they rescued those lions and you're helping. Um, but really, they're bringing in money. Uh, from the photographs and for allowing you to do that. Then they go when that baby gets a little bit, the lion gets a little bit too big to feed a bottle to, what they'll do is they'll say, okay, let's go on a walk with the lions. And so they make more money by going on the walk with the lions. And then they would breed those again to get more cubs. And then they will um, send those older lions because it's difficult to care for them send them to a hunting farm. And so just the whole thing is very tragic. And uh, I've had the opportunity, I don't know if it's an opportunity, but I have witnessed lions that what they'll do is they'll water down the milk because the milk is too expensive to get them. And so they um, are deformed now, their bones are deformed. And there was a kind rescue group who was able to take them and able to care for them for as long as they leave, live, but they cannot walk upright on their, their paws and their legs. So anyway, just be aware of that. There are websites out there. I probably should have looked them up before I came on, but that can tell you which are the good places to go and which are known for being issues. And I imagine any one of my travelers should be able to, if you're going to go to any country, take a look at some of the excursions that they offer and if they're safe, uh, if they're recommended, if they have, um, if, if they have a background on animal care associated with them, or if it's something where you don't see any, any delineation, any kind of notes that say, Oh, this is safe for animals. You want to be kind of really cognizant of those things, I think. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Scott, the other thing I wanted to point up about things to be aware of, the one thing I was telling you how, how affordable South Africa is, the one area you're not going to get any deals is rental cars. Oh. Go figure. I can't figure that out, but uh, rental cars, all because they're owned by Avis and, <laughs> and budget and so forth. But you're not going to get any deals on the rental cars. Well, and speaking of deals, are there any type of value adds or cost savings or best practices that you would like to share with the students as part of this? Yeah, I was trying to think about that. Um, I think I mentioned or touched on this early on. Um, when Don't be too anxious to buy your tickets. 
Now you're going to want to book your Kruger trip uh, uh, earlier than probably what you will purchase your plane tickets because um, those type of things, depending on the time of year, you want to jump on those. But the plane tickets, boy, if you can wait till you're six weeks out, I never have an issue finding a flight and prices have dropped by then. Mm -hmm. And so if you can do that, that would be the um, wise if you can. Um, the other thing real quick would be, um, oh, when you go to Kruger and there's an issue with malaria or mosquitoes, we always um, spray our clothes with the uh, permethrin. Do you know what I'm talking about, Scott? It's I'm so used to hearing DEET as part of the talked ah. about stuff, but I don't, I don't know. Is it kind of like a anti-mosquito repellent or oh. is it a malaria thing? This is the best thing ever. So let me spell it for you because I think it's important. Please. It's P-E-R-M-E-T-H-R-I-N. Permethrin. Okay. So um, that is, and it comes in this big yellow. Sawyer is the brand name. And they, you spray it on your clothes before you leave. Then it dries, and it'll last through um, several washings. I think they say six. I don't know if I believe that. But if you spray that on, it is amazing uh, how it'll keep the um, uh, mosquitoes away. So do that. Then also apply the um, DEET, right, to mm -hmm. direct your skin. The other thing doesn't go on your skin. It goes on your clothes. Okay, perfect. Okay. Um, well, go ahead, oh, Scott. No. Go, no, go, go right ahead, please. Okay, and uh, I just had one other comment. This is so silly. I told you how much I've traveled, and I have never taken a mask and earplugs. For some reason, I don't know what prompted this, but I decided, oh, I'm going to take a mask and earplugs. Um, and I use them, and it's like, what was I thinking not doing <laughs> this before? And it was really wonderful so i know that's really a weird one but it made a difference to me someone who thought they would never do that so and for my viewers out there who are the quote-unquote macho guy types wear <laughs> a mask seriously you, you don't realize until you're on a flight for 20 hours that even the smallest littlest pinprick of light coming into the cabin can wake everybody up so having that mask really does help you out when you're trying to sleep. It does. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. Well, I wanted to say thank you so much for sharing this information. I wanted to also highlight the two organizations that you're part of. So for, for my viewers and specifically for my listeners who are not watching the screen right now, uh, for more information about CARE, which is the Center for Animal Rehabilitation and Education, please go to www.care.org primatecare.org, or you can follow them on Facebook, or the other organization, which is called Prime Crew. You, uh, you can email them on primecrewwildlife at gmail.com, or they can also be followed on Facebook as well. Is that correct, Jennifer? That is correct. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for sharing your time and your knowledge with my students. I know it means the world to them. It means the world to me to, to have this time with you. So thank you so much. 
Thank you, Scott. It was good seeing you again. Yeah, absolutely. And for my viewers that are out there who are on Facebook, if you like this video and you would like to get more, get more informed as to when these videos are released, click the bell icon up at the top of the screen. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this channel. If you like this video, please give us a thumbs up. And then of course, if you're listening through the podcast, please give us a rating and it really does help out. Uh, until next time, my name is Scott. I am your professor of travel and make every opportunity to travel a travel adventure. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye now. The Professor Travel is a broadcast from Orange County, California. A transcript of each podcast may be requested by contacting the Professor Travel at his website, theprofessortravel.com. For opportunities to work with the Professor Travel, feel free to contact Scott at theprofessortravel.com or contact us through YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook at The Professor Travel or Twitter at TheProfessorTR1. Make every day a great day to have a travel adventure.